Okay, I'm obsessed with Audible because it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And with female writers and heroines, celebrity narration, multicast productions, Audible has you covered for every type of excitement that you're looking for, including true crime and mystery. And I know all of you love that too. For example, right now, I'm listening to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. That's audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The amazing Kate Casey. Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hope that you've had a great week. I can't believe we're already here in mid-November. I actually just went out and bought a pre-lit Christmas tree. I think I might put it up tomorrow. I don't know, guys. Maybe we could all just celebrate New Year's Eve in two weeks and call this year a day. Are you with me? I mean, ugh. But one good thing that's come out this week is that the Netflix series The Crown started up. And I look forward to this so much, I can't even tell you. It's the one series that I can watch with my husband. So I've been waiting to start that for this Friday. I, I might have to give the kids Bennett a drill and just let them go to sleep early. I cannot wait. I'm not even kidding you. Another great thing that I'm looking forward to is this new docuseries on HBO. It's called Murder on Middle Beach. Since the vow has ended and Seduced has ended, like I need something to suck me in. I watched that Netflix docuseries called Carmel, Who Killed Maria Marta. I needed another true crime fix, and I think I found one. So Murder on Middle Beach is on HBO, four-part docuseries in which filmmaker Madison Hamburg investigates his mother's mysterious death. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Oh, what are you working on? Oh, a docuseries about my mom's mysterious murder. Good. I mean, how do you get over that? How do you need to go to therapy during the filming of that, after the filming of that? So Barbara Hamburg was found murdered on the yard of her Middle Beach Road rental home in Connecticut on the morning of March 3rd, 2010. So the autopsy revealed that the 48-year-old's death came from blunt force trauma and sharp force injury. So on the day that she died, Barbara was supposed to show up in family court for a case with her ex-husband, Jeffrey Hamburg, who Barbara over the years alleged owed thousands in alimony and child support. So of course, immediately... He became a person of interest, but no one was ever charged. So to this day, her case remains unsolved. But while the mystery shrouds her story, there have been theories about her death and murder on Middle Beach covers that. So that begins on Sunday. So check that out. This episode, I feature an interview with publicist and manager Lizzie Grobman, who is a friend of mine. Lizzie was in the 2005 MTV reality TV show called Power Girls. So this is a real walk through memory lane. Lizzie was mentoring a team of young hopeful publicists on the show as they worked their way in the world of celebrities, glamour, and PR to ultimately earn a permanent spot 
on her team along with her respect. She's like a no-nonsense New Yorker. And she had all these incredible clients at the time. It was like a great time in pop culture. And so this was like a window into what it would be like to be a young woman working in New York City, working for someone with those kind of clients. The show took its name from this 1998 New York Magazine cover story that was about Lizzie and a few other women who were these like young power PR girls that were really changing changing the game in the city and in, in with celebrities and how you represented celebrities. So this show followed Lizzie and these four young female assistants, Rachel, Allie, Kelly, and Millie, doing the work of celebrity publicists in Manhattan. So planning nightclub openings, album launches, mingling with celebrities in the press. And the four were competing for this permanent role at our firm, relying on a combination of their skills, sadly, their sex appeal. Um, and she, Lizzie was like the mentor and sort of paralleled like The Apprentice. So the show was great because it showed you doing all the day-to-day activities. I can't even imagine how many young women watched that show and thought, I want to have a career in PR. And then they ended up, you know, working for some PR firm and going to the opening of like a retirement home. I mean, I think that it totally glamorized what the job would be like to work with a celebrity. So it was a lot of fun to just catch up with her and ask her about the show. I also... Wanted to talk to Abby and Vanessa from Real Moms of Bravo and Danny Murphy about what they thought about Bravo's premiere of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I've been looking forward to this show premiering for quite some time now. Who wouldn't want a window into what it's like to live in Salt Lake City? I don't feel like there are any shows that are about that. There was the Provo Bachelor spinoff that Kate Kennedy so generously told me about, which I love to watch. And I have my one friend, Steve Tate, who always kind of gives me the scoop on what's going on in Salt Lake City. But to watch a show about the way that housewives live, like, sign me up. So finally, this week, the show premiered, and I had to ask them what they thought about the show also. So here we go. Lizzie, welcome to the show. Hey, honey. I'm so excited to finally come on your show. Let's go back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up? New York City. And what in the world was it like to grow up in New York City? Your father is a famed entertainment lawyer. Your mom, the beautiful Yvette, you are just hobnobbing with like all these people that became international star sensations, socialites, people in business and sports. What was it like to grow up in the city at that time? It's funny because, you know, when you're younger and people, I didn't realize what my dad did or or how do I say this, the extent of what he did until I went to uh, college for a hot minute. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because like people knew about him, but I didn't because, I mean, I knew he was an entertainment lawyer and I met certain, you know, of his clients growing up, but I really didn't understand who he really was. So his clients are major music stars. So are they just waltzing through your house? Like, what was like a normal Saturday like at your house? Did you just have people coming in and out? No, actually, um, 
you know, we I go to concerts at a very young age. Like I remember the Village People. Okay, they were that was like the first concert I ever went to, or a Madonna concert. Like so, you know, like back in the day. Um, so these are people. You know, it didn't occur to me because it, it. You know, I didn't look at them as celebrities because I was young. Did you have somebody perform at your bat mitzvah? I didn't have a bat mitzvah. What? What happened there? My, I'll tell you why. Because my mom never was bat mitzvah, and she felt that girls shouldn't be bat mitzvah. It was a it was something that has since changed. My son recently um, had a bar mitzvah, actually recently, last year, and he had a boogie with a hoodie perform. I know, because you invited me. He's going to be like, Who, why did you invite that woman to the party? All right, so how did you get into PR? Because you mentioned you went to Northeastern for a hot minute. Right. So basically, I started working um, for uh, interning at Sony Music. Um, and also, I was basically, well, what I would say today is like a club promoter, but they gave me the title of head of PR, which back, you know, who knows, when, very long time ago, okay, was technically, um, I'd get paid from several um, nightclubs in Boston to bring my friends and give a guest list. Because you really truly knew everybody. So access to you meant access to people. And so you are written about in this epic New Yorker article. It was entitled Power Girls. And it really went into how you had been so successful in building this incredible business, um, like PR business. Can you tell everybody a little bit about what your firm did? Yes. So, you know, when I first, um, you know, opened um, LGPR, it was in December of 1996. And basically, I represented my first clients for Ford Models, um, America Online, Britney Spears, and the hot restaurants and clubs, okay? So basically, you know, everyone thought I was some sort of party girl because at that point to generate and bring celebrities, you would do a launch party or something like that. Um, uh, So basically, you know, I I self-taught because prior to opening my own company, I worked for Lincoln Center and the Big Apple Circus. And basically, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And I really learned, you know, the tricks of the trade, old school PRs, like, you know, what I call it. Britney Spears was your client. Yeah, so Jive Records would hire me, okay, if that, if that's how I met Brittany. Um, Jive Records um, hired me um, to, you know, to launch her, and they hired me right before the, her first record came out, Baby, One More Time, and it, what I was doing with her was, like, taking her out and about and taking her to fashion shows and stuff to get her name, you know, out there. And basically, I started with her in November, because Fashion Week in New York City used to be, you know, I, or at least my memory of when I started, it was, was November. Um, her album was coming out like two weeks after. So I remember, I won't bring up the designer's name, would not give her front row. Um, they gave her second row. And I basically, you know, just said, you're, you're making a huge mistake, okay? And wow. by, by Christmas time, um, I was happened to be in St. Martin that year. It was the hottest 
Baby One More Time was huge. It was the number one song in the world, I think, at that point, or country. And um, that's how it all started. Okay, so how did Power Girls come to be? Well, there was a New York Magazine article in the late 90s. And um, I remember getting called from one of the main editors um, telling me about this article. And I was young. I was in my 20s. And I was like, okay, I've never been having, you know, a cover store or anything like that, you know, in my entire life. But I called my family and I said, well, I do. And they said, this is amazing. We don't believe you. Well, they didn't believe me. It was funny. (laughs) So you are on the cover of it and it really changed the trajectory of your career and your life, wouldn't you say? It didn't change anything except that I became, you know, a household name in the PR industry. I see. And then how did the television come, television show come to be? So in about 2004, 2005, Brighton did MTV's, you know, big time with Newlyweds. And so MTV approached me along with other networks and they said, we want to follow you. You know, we want to do a show on you. And I, at first I was like, okay, because it was so long ago that reality shows were totally different. You didn't realize, you know. So we got picked up for six episodes. And all my clients were in it at the time. So those, so people who knew me, uh, you know, um, you know, like from Diddy to Ashanti to Nelly, you name it, they were in it, you know, like um, on my show. Um, but at the same time, um, I... Looking back, I totally regret ever doing a reality show. I love MTV. They're my favorite, one of my favorite networks. I just don't think it was the right thing to do. And why is that? Because you had, you chose four girls to feature, um, Allie, Rachel, Kelly, and Millie. I'll be honest with you. The MTV picked my, the four employees that, um, were working for me. So you had 15 employees at the time and then MTV cold that down to the four that were featured in the show. Correct. And the other staff members would come in and out, obviously. But yes, they picked the ones they wanted. And were those girls really interested in being on TV or did they have to be convinced to be on the show? Kelly totally wanted to be on the show. Millie, definitely. Allie was a little apprehensive. She's not, she's shy. She's one of my very close friends to this day. So I would say she's more shy and like I totally get why she was apprehensive, but she ends up doing it and being great. And then Rachel, was she somebody that was interested or did you have to convince to do it? Oh, Rachel loved it. I mean, Rachel at that time was my right hand girl for the nightclubs and parties. And what was the experience like filming? Was it really, did it take away from your client work? Was it kind of a headache? And then when it premiered, did it help your business even more? Well, let's start with your first question. Um, it used to take a year or so, or eight months to a year to film a six-episode show. Now they now come out in like three months or th- even three weeks. So it was very trying on my nerves after a while. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, we weren't filming every single solitary day, but there were days most of the time, and it went on and on and on and on and on. And then finally, and it didn't air. I remember ending 
filming in November and it didn't air till March. So think about this. It was like a year old at that point. Uh-huh. So, um, long story short, if the, you know, of doing the show, did it help my business? No, because, um, I think that for the generation that was interested in PR, it encouraged people to be in PR. I say that I was, I didn't call, in my personal opinion, I didn't come off good. And I can understand why people, there was a lot of hate at the time in the industry. You said that you thought that you gave away a lot of trade secrets and glamorized PR in a way that people didn't understand. Do you think, do you still feel that way? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I stick to that because, you know, I would get on the phone and speak to my press contacts on camera, show them what I was doing. It, things I would never do today. Yeah. I'm my own worst publicist, has that. <laughs> so who were you okay. who were you surprised to hear was a fan of the show, even years later? You know what's funny because, you know, people reach out to me all the time. But a lot of people were on the show. Like, I mean, everyone really liked it except myself because I thought I came off terrible. And, you know, there was a, you know, I was getting, I think, 2 million viewers a week and I was, quote, poorly rated. Like, I understand at the time, you know, the newlyweds might have gotten, you know, more. It was a hateful period. And I understand why I didn't have my issues. Okay. And. Basically, I would never do a reality show again. Like, put it that way, <laughs> you know? What happened to the girls from the show? I'm very close with all of them, except for Rachel. I don't see Rachel all that much. I mean, I, I respect Rachel. She has a great business, and she has, you know, she does what she does. But Millie, Kelly's one of my best friends. I was the maid of honor at her wedding, mm-hmm. okay? Um uh, uh, Allie, I adore, and uh, she has a food blog now. And then, um, Billy is in fashion. Oh, that's great. And how did your show, yeah. con- how did your show contribute to Laguna beach? So we, we launched right around the same time. I remember going to Sundance. Okay. Um, for actual work. And, um, that's where, you know, I, you know, basically met, Steven and all that. Uh, Steven, I forgot the other two guys' names. There's three guys um, who were on the show. And um, basically, we were the hot shows at the time, geared to the exact same generation, except that my, you know, my employees were in their 20s. I was in my early 30s. And so did that contribute to the city then? The idea of the city? I think the city would be more on par. Yes. Okay. And then how, how do you think PR is different now? I mean, all these years later, how has PR shifted since Power Girls was on television? I mean, well, now with social media and blogs, these are things I mean, I, you know, we never even thought about, um, you know, people putting out their own statements on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook. It, 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 it changes a lot. We were able to give it back in the day, you know, sell, you know, my clients would make money off of, you know, having a baby. Today, no one cares, okay, <laughs> because they put it about themselves, you know, like, yeah. so it's a very different environment. And so it's funny because your career used to be getting people into the press out and out to events. And now you spend so much of your time keeping people out of the press, doing crisis media work. Besides that. And all of, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, yes and no. I mean, obviously, I have an artist, you know. It's, it's totally different. Everything's online now. And so you always have had your finger on the pulse. What is hot now? What is hot now? Hmm, that's a good question because we've all been inside for how long? Okay. <laughs> I would say that the only thing hot at this current moment is me in this apartment. <laughs> but, uh... Okay. And so what are you up to now? Well, we started, obviously, uh, Lizzie Griffin Public Relations and Management in 2008, I believe. Um, I am working right this second and if I'm talking to you um and I downsized and oh I also have Lizzie Grumman Productions which is a production TV company awesome well I love you a million times um where can people follow you on Instagram at Lizzie L-I-Z-Z-I-E underscore Grubman G-R-U-B-M-A-N welcome back to the show thank you Thank you so much for having us on. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Abby. And we just love talking Bravo with you, Kate. Salt Lake City, they talk about how there are elite social circles. Beauty and perfection is utmost importance. Obviously, the Mormon church has a big part of that. They they hold honesty, integrity, fidelity, and watching sin as paramount. What was the thing you were most excited about learning from each women, each woman as the show began? I think just their involvement with the church, like were they, were they Mormon and they left? Why did they leave? Like, I think if you live in Salt Lake, you're, you're influenced by the Mormon community and to what level depends on each person. So I think learning that level of influence was what intrigued me the most. For me, it's the Mormon religion. One, personally, I'm a lot more spiritual than religious, um, I don't have, I don't align myself to any sort of organized religion. So just having a glimpse into that society and that world that's so different than me and what I know is what kind of captivated me. What did you think right out of the gate of Jen and Sharif? They are living, I believe, in Park City. He is the coach at University of Utah. Uh, They've got an unconventional story. She was raised in Hawaii, came to Utah when she was seven, met him, and then she converted to Islam, um, as you mentioned. I love Jen. I I immediately, I feel like she's going to be the most memeable person from that franchise. But what I really liked in her story and what I could personally relate to, I'm someone who's biracial mixed on the surface could may seem to someone a little bit culturally ambiguous. So I appreciated that she kind of addressed that head on and said, a lot of people think I'm black and I'm not. And then this is my background and this is why I left the church. And she just seems to be over the top, but in a fun housewives way, but isn't afraid to call people out. I enjoyed the energy that she is bringing to the show. I think what's going to be interesting with her, her kids seem to be involved quite a bit. And I feel like maybe this is the why I'm liking it, because it feels like it's kind of going back to what Housewives used to be, where it really is kind of centered around being wives and moms and not so much just being like, I mean, you look at Orange County, it's more like it feels like it's more ladies of leisure just going to parties and (laughs) being social. Like, you know, there's more. And I feel like I'm getting to see her as a mom. She's kind of funny the way she's approaching like sex with her teenage boys and the way she's talking with them, but it's, 
it feels authentic and it's kind of refreshing to see somebody actually have these conversations with kids on a housewife show. I like that her husband's successful and that her kids seem confident and independent and that they all have a good banter between one another. You don't get the sense that one of the kids is trying to blink with you and send blink and send a message to you in Morse code like my mom has trapped me and I'm stuck on this television show and you don't get the sense that those two as a couple are headed for divorce. Like they seem pretty tight and I wondered if you guys remembered the story in February where Brandy and Stephanie from Dallas had done a podcast episode and Brandy alluded to that Jen, this cast member of Salt Lake City, was renting her friend's home and Jen went bonkers on social media. She was so angry that she she said, well, I may be renting that house. Yes, but I also own four homes and a place in New York City. I don't I think I knew that. I did not know that. Oh, I remember great. like rumblings of it. And I think it was like an early sign that like Jen is going to be <laughs> a very dominant personality. It was actually asked on the like Salt Lake Zoom premiere who most likely will sit next to Andy at the reunion. And everyone said Jen. That's great. Okay. So then we move on to Heather Gay. She owns the beauty lab. She's a pedigree Mormon. She was married to somebody from a very wealthy family. He was the driver for Howard Hughes and Howard Hughes left him a ton of money. That story sounds like we need to explore that more. Uh, They're divorced now. She's got three daughters. She seems very body positive. um, And I love how she talks to her daughters. Like you can make your own mistakes, but I won't let you drown. I mean, I I love Heather. Yeah. (laughs) Abby, I, yeah, I, I love that she's body positive. I also like that she's not afraid to say, she keeps saying Mormon 2.0. Like she's like, I, she openly wants to date a black man. She said like, she finds black men very attractive. Like that's just where she gravitates. She drinks, she cusses, like she, (laughs) but she still thinks she's like a Mormon. And so I think it's showing a different side of the stereotypical Mormon. I also think that's why she's going to have issues with Lisa who tries to be the perfect Mormon. It probably has issues with other people in the Mormon community, but I like that she's, I like that she's outspoken and she's not trying to be who she thinks she should be for the show. She's just being herself. She surprised me the most based on the trailer and the previews because they focus so much on her background, her family history, being a pioneer. So I was pleasantly surprised to hear, um, I hate to say modern points of view because it is 2020, but I was pleasantly surprised to hear her take on things. And like Abby said, just a 2.0 version of the Mormon religion. So Meredith lives in what looks like a prison. Uh, Her husband, Seth, she's Jewish and from Chicago. She's three kids, Reed, Chloe, and Brooks. She's got a jewelry and clothing line. Brooks is at home with her. He seems to, in my opinion, to be the real star of this franchise. He's enormously funny, and they both have the same very dry sense of humor and way of speaking. She is my favorite so far. What did you guys think? I mean, I love Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that dynamic, and I feel like he might steal the spotlight from her. It's just fun to see a father mother relationship like that and that he does her makeup and probably styles her and all her confessionals for all we know. But I, I think I'm going to like her. I'm a little hesitant, I think, because of her friendship with Lisa, because I don't think I'm going to like Lisa and I'll go there once we go there. But I, I like Meredith. I'm worried she's going to be a Heather Debro. is my only concern is that she's going to be 
edited and kind of casted as kind of boring and proper. And I think there's so much more to her than that. I just think it's like, she has a very like monotone voice. She isn't overly expressive, but I mean, she is hilarious. The dynamic with her and her husband is interesting. He's never there. Uh, she's very close with Brooks. And I mean, I think if Brooks isn't everyone's favorite house, Salt Lake housewife kid, you're watching the wrong show. I mean, he is <laughs> hilarious. I, I will be shocked if he doesn't get a spinoff and have like a million Instagram followers after this. You guys, Meredith is my sister. I swear to God, she is Megan Tenza. That is my sister. The way she dresses, the way she talks. I find her so funny because people like my sister are very dry and they present themselves as somewhat perfect. And then you open up their door and you realize there's a whole mess behind it. So I think she might be the most interesting because sometimes with these housewives, the ones that present themselves as very perfect tend to be the most interesting in the end. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I'm sure as we peel, I'm going to butcher this analogy because I always do, but peel the onion um, with her (laughs) that we'll start to see more and more. And I'll, I'll like, I'll like what I see. So Lisa's got two boys. She's of Jewish heritage. And then um, she says Mormon by choice. So they converted when she moved there. She moved there at 16 and then went to school there. She works in luxury marketing. And surprisingly, she and her Mormon husband own several vodka companies or alcohol companies. She says it's not her problem that Mormons judge her for it. And I kind of appreciate that. Uh, She drinks Diet Coke because we saw her pull up to a fast food uh, place. She's considered the Sundance queen and she's very close to Meredith. What do you guys think so far of Lisa? I she kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I hate people who pretend like they don't know people. So that whole <laughs> dynamic with her and Heather, where you know they grew up together allegedly or have known each other, went to call the same college, and she's acting like pulling a like a Mariah Carey, I don't know her kind of moment. I hate that. And she snubbed her at the party, like purposely didn't say hi. So right off the bat, she's kind of rubbing me the wrong way that way. Cause I'm kind of like, okay, why, why do you think you're so above it? So I don't think I'm going to care for her. <laughs> she's going to try way too hard to be the perfect Mormon. She is the only one that is truly still like a, I don't know, like a, a Mormon of what you think a Mormon to be. Heather says she's Mormon 2.0. I mean, she is the only one that seems to try to follow this whole lifestyle. And I think she's just going to become so wrapped up in it that we're, we're not going to see a real version of her and she's going to feel fake and disingenuous the entire season. So very contained because she's concerned about the judgment from outside of the show and not meaning the viewers, but the people that are part of her ward or her community. Yeah. And as viewers, I mean, we become savvy. We can see right through that. You can always tell the people who don't, who pull back a little bit. So hopefully I'm wrong in this assessment, but I kind of feel like, like you said, the word contained is a good way to describe it that. So then we have Whitney and Justin. Um, They met while her husband, she met her husband while they were working together. They were both married to other people. When she got married, she was five months pregnant and no one at the wedding really was supportive of it. So here we are 10 years later, they have a vow renewal ceremony, which surprising to see a new housewife open up 
with a vow renewal because that usually takes place a couple seasons in when they're like desperate for a storyline. She's very pretty, very young, has two very cute kids and then stepkids as well. She and Heather are cousins. She's been excommunicated from the church as well uh, because obviously she met a married man and went on to marry him. What do you guys think of Whitney so far? She gives me Anna Nicole vibes. Like remember when Anna, <laughs> like when Anna Nicole first kind of came to the scene, just kind of like a dumb blonde but funny. I think there might be a little bit more to her than that. I was shocked she started with a vow renewal because she's actually said she loves Bravo. She's watched. She's one of the few housewives that admits she's watched every episode. And a vow renewal is usually the kiss of death for a marriage. Yeah, I wondered if they said, listen, I, you guys need to have a bunch of parties. And she said, why not right out of the gate, let's do a vow renewal. And that way you can see me from the beginning, uh, you know, dancing on the stripper pole. Or I wonder if that was actually filmed late into the season. And then they just thought we want to go out with a bang. So let's put that um, in the first episode. I was surprised that her dad is not an ex-husband in the preview oh. when I saw that hair that dark yeah. I was like who is this man I immediately am like oh my goodness this looks like a reject 80s rock star and I assumed that was her ex-husband not her dad so I was a little surprised by that I think she's gonna be a lot more interesting I think there's more to the surface I thought he was like a poor man's Nikki Six. I thought he yes. was like in a Motley Crew cover band that only performs in the Metro Salt Lake area. And I'm digging him. I want some more backstory in him. She seems very sweet, but she's they they're positioning her as the real dingbat of the group. Yes. And her dad, I think, has addiction, maybe some addiction issues. I think that was alluded to in the preview, like he was crying. So anyhow, I feel like there's going to be that, like you said, that story is going to be interesting to unpack. Well, obviously, it, uh, obviously in addiction issues, using a Motley, Lou, Motley Crew cover band. <laughs> yeah, true. You can't get out of that without addiction issues. I just hope she doesn't play into the dumb blonde character. Yeah. I think sometimes when like people think like, oh, you're cute and you're funny and you're kind of ditzy, you play it up and it just it feels so like just I get nauseated by that. Like if you are someone who's kind of ditzy, that's fine. Like say a few things that are kind of silly and stupid, but like don't do it every single time you're talking to someone. Mary is a Pentecostal pastor. She has a very interesting story about marrying her step-grandfather, Abby, Vanessa, please explain this woman. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand the story to save my life. Break it down for us. Abby, was, go. Yeah. Okay. I dove <laughs> deep into this because it was, she had it in her bio. It was just so alarming to me that this was just like <laughs> naturally in her bio. So her grandma, her, her grandma and grandpa, you know, marry, have children. I believe her grandpa passes away. Her grandmother remarries and, you know, is the head of this Pentecostal church. In her will, she leaves the church to marry only if Mary will then marry her grandpa, who is really her step-grandpa. So there's no blood relation there. They call it an arranged marriage, but they have a kid together, which I, I, I just, it really, it like made me sick to my stomach. It was just so weird. And I feel like she just kind of like acts like it's no big deal. It's just what she had to do to get the church. So I feel like she's going to be the person everyone like loves to hate. Like yeah. she's so interesting. You can't turn your head, head away from her story, her situation. I mean, that whole fight that she had with Jen about her aunts, like smelling like hospital and 
how she started talking about she had an experience in the hospital and something traumatizing happening. I'm like, I want to know what's happening there. But I'm like, also, that was a dick thing to say. (laughs) So it's just there's a lot there. She's odd. She seems very over the top, very insecure, needs to let you know she can buy luxury items. I'm, I'm sorry. He owns a Pentecostal church and he can buy she could buy Versace off the runway. I don't, I mean, she, maybe she's selling some sermons online and making money. I don't know. Like, I, I was shocked by that, too. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be, like, a person of God typically lives modestly? I don't know. It was kind of surprising to me. My concern is this. Were these women actually friends? Maybe a few of them actually. Like, Meredith and Lisa, absolutely, they were friends. But is this a situation where somebody came up with the idea of Salt Lake City and thought this would be a great place, and then they cast people afterwards. It doesn't seem like there's an organic connection between all of the women. And I don't know if that didn't exist, an organic connection, if this could be sustainable for an entire season or two seasons or three seasons. I feel like uh, Heather and Jen seem to be friends, Meredith and Lisa, but I don't know that Whitney, I guess Whitney is Heather's cousin, right? And then Mary seems like a complete outsider. I feel like there's like pockets of friendship, but as a group, are these girls like having dinner parties outside of housewives? No. I I think they might've picked the city because they thought it'd be interesting and then figured out the cast later. I'm wondering too, they said that the bloggers were dying, like the rumors are that the bloggers were dying to be part of it and Bravo didn't ask them, but maybe they, I'm wondering if they turned down Bravo because they really have nothing to gain by being on the show other than ruining their image. So I don't know if this was sort of like the second choice of cast. I would love to know that information too. I feel like I need to get a boots on the ground person in Salt Lake City who has tangential relationships with people that are Instagram influencers because I have to believe that they would have pursued the Purcell sisters and asked them to be on the show. But I just don't know if that would be, well, like to your point, like what would they get out of it? I mean, they can promote their Instagram handles, but I mean, beyond that, because there is a layer to this show that requires, not requires, but most of these women are going to be drinking and filming late into the night and they're not going to be at home with their kids. So you either have to be an excommunicated Mormon or you have to be a Mormon who has older children. And a lot of those Instagram influencers have very young children. Absolutely. Apparently, Lisa is friends with the person. Is it the Par- Parcells? The Parcell sisters. And I think, Abby, correct me if I'm wrong, is that one of the Parcell sisters or someone else might be making an appearance on this season? Yeah, one of the sisters will be on there. It's not Rachel. Um, but then when the question was asked, Heather made kind of a weird face. Like she does not like them and hang out with them. So I don't, who knows? I think there's like, I think the story is there. Why aren't the Instagram influencers on the show? And that to me is like, pretty interesting. And I, I just hope it either comes out in a reunion or at some point on the show. I hope that at one point in an episode, they come up with some sort of graphics for us. And they're like, this is the circle of Instagram influencers. And this is where they live, you know, adjacent to Park City. And the, this is the group of women that we that we cast and where they live. Like, I need a whole map. A map would be really helpful because I do think they try to make it sound like they all live relatively close to each other, but I, I feel like they're, they're all kind of spread out. And so like, and with any franchise, I think in the beginning, it's like, oh, they're all in this 
you know, they're all in Kodo to Casa, but like now no one lives in Kodo. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, how are they friends? And it is oftentimes very forced and we usually see through it. Uh, But there are, I think there's a few people within Salt Lake that truly are friends. I just think the group as a whole, it's not, it's not a cohesive friend circle. It feels very disjointed already. Yeah. That's why the New York housewives really worked was because they were all in Manhattan. So uh, yeah, exactly. Like in Orange County, now three of them live in the same neighborhood, which is great for filming, I'm sure as well. But yeah, it never made sense. Like Vicky, who lives in Cota de Casa and is like 15 years older with grandchildren, would not be hanging out with Bronwyn, who lives in Newport and has seven children that are on in like soccer, peewee soccer. Like it didn't make any sense. So you know, you really have to get women whose lives truly kind of cross over. And I think it's getting harder as time goes on. And I also wonder with a show like that, you have Whitney, who's basically been a, a Real housewife scholar. She's watched probably every episode. When she's appearing on camera, are we seeing the Whitney Rose that was the Whitney before this show? Or is it somebody who has studied the show so much and thinks that like, this is the archetype that's going to work for me? I mean, it's hard to say in one episode. And it's also sometimes hard to say in one season. I mean, she she might be smarter than she looks. If she's watched all these seasons, she knows you kind of have to evolve season over season. If you give us everything at once, you're going to burn out fast. Right. Again, I do wonder if they film that later in the episode or l- later in the season, the vow renewal, but we just got to it see ma- it. It makes sense. Like, it is kind of odd to start with that. Uh, that would be, I mean, they would never tell us, but it would be interesting to know the order in which that happened. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can catch your show and what you guys are working on right now. You can catch us anywhere where you're listening to Kate's show right now. So you can find us at Real Moms of Bravo on Instagram and anywhere where you podcast is the same name, Real Moms of Bravo. We cover um, recap Bravo shows in 30-ish minutes or less. We try to keep it brief, concise, and fun. And then where can people catch you or find you on social? We are on Instagram at Real Moms of Bravo. That's we post some stuff to Facebook, but really it's mostly just on Instagram. Uh, follow along with our stories. I would say one thing that we are working on is you know the holidays are coming up and uh, Netflix, Hallmark, and anyone who has streaming um, media is putting out you know different holiday moving so, movies. They're all cheesy and terrible, and we are <laughs> just tearing them apart, but also loving watching it because it's mindless good TV that you can. Scroll on your phone while you're watching it and you don't miss any part of the storyline. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you guys a million times. Thank you. Thank you. Danny Murphy, you've now watched the premiere of Salt Lake City, the new Real Housewives franchise. Was it a hit or was it a miss? I am saying hit because I am starved for content and also because (laughs) I've never laughed at people more in my life and I've and I've been in stand-up so you know what I mean like they are funnier than most touring comedians to laugh at (laughs) who is the standout superstar thus far once one episode in I want to say while Meredith wins with her family Heather wins on her own Heather really you get in I'm like okay this this bitch likes to talk about rap music what's going on but I'm so curious about her and I love how much we're already seeing of her company I feel like Meredith's family is the family from Beetlejuice, Catherine O'Hara, and Winona Ryder. Am I right? That is a hundred percent yes. And I would watch them do that as a remake. 
do you feel like her son is a breakout star like I do? I can't that the smartest decision her son has ever made besides being gay. I'm kidding. It's not choice. But the smartest decision he ever made was to come back from school to film on this show because it is divine. He's so good in it. And I can't wait for him to have his own Bravo show. It was, yes, you, it, there was obviously ulterior motive because he was conveniently taking a, a semester off of school, which I'm assuming if he's smart, he's going to get credit for as an internship. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. He like carried a boom mic. They're like, oh, that counts for a communications degree credit. Good for you. I know that's the best. It's like not a gap year. It's like a cameo year. Like he's waiting to get a cameo and then that would be that. Heather and Lisa, do we believe that they were friends years and years ago in college? Now, here's my thing, Kate. I 110% believe that they were friends because we all know a Lisa. We all have been at a table with a Lisa. And we, like, you're, everyone is thinking of this situation right now for their own, where someone is trying to downplay how much they know someone or trying to be cooler than everybody else. And that is such a Lisa vibe. So I feel like Heather definitely knew Lisa and she's just playing this game. To make a storyline, but also to be a bitch. <laughs> Do we think that these women were true friends maybe a year before filming be- began? No, not at all. I'm sure they crossed paths. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's only so many Starbucks in Salt Lake, so they've seen each other through there. But I love, too, that Heather's like, oh, my God, like, um, like uh, Jen loves my salon, but like, or her Botox place. But was only there three months ago, like for like the first time, and hasn't talked about it anything before. So it's kind of I'm kind of like okay, we're really painting by numbers here to get these gals a a friendship bond. Why does Mary have enough money to buy Versace if the family business is church? All I gotta say is if that is what a pastor can afford, I am preaching to the wrong choir. Let me tell you, because I I would love Versace, Valentino, Gucci, Chanel. I'm but like. I don't know what the what else her grandma maybe like left her or something like that besides the church, but there has to be something there besides the love of the Lord to pay for a Louis and a Chanel and a Valentino all in one <laughs> swipe. Was it surprising to you when we saw Whitney on a stripper pole at her vow renewal ceremony post reception party? It- it was because I just was like, that was when I was like, wait, who are Mormons? Like, I was so confused of what's happening. And then also, especially because it wasn't like they was like a late night with just a few friends. I'm like, oh, she's doing that in front of like cousins. And like, like <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a Mormon. I even wouldn't be like, I want to be flashing my cousin for that. But she was just letting it all hang out. I was, I was kind of surprised by that. Do you think any of these women know the Brown family from TLC's Sister Wives? And do you think it's possible that Cody Brown was actually at that vow renewal party, but the camera did not pan past him because of the contractual obligations with TLC? (laughs) I would go on record to say Whitney has definitely DM'd the family and has DM'd them properly. I don't know if they ended up going to the reception, but they definitely were probably invited. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so thus far, your favorite the one, and the person that may be kicked off after season one. Okay, so thus far, I think my favorite is Heather. I feel like she, I feel like while Jen is trying to be the main event, Heather really is just like, you kind of just love her and like her daughters are cute. She kind of reminded me of like a Giselle single mom with three kids. And I'm just, I'm like into that. Who might get kicked off? I don't understand what Whitney's doing, what's happening with her. Why she talks like this? Like, what? 
why she reads a text message three minutes after getting a text message when like she knows she's being filmed. All, everything about her confuses me, and I feel like it will confuse. <laughs> it's confusing everybody, too. Are you happy with the ancillary players, the husbands, the children? I love them. If the saving grace of this show is <laughs> them. Because, I mean, Jen's kids are so funny. Jen's assistants are so funny. Uh, I mean, Meredith's son we already talked about. And all the other, I mean, Mary's grandfather, I mean, like, that is that alone. I'm like, this is why she's on this show. So I feel like they're really adding to it in a big way. And also that random blonde lady who t- told um, Jen that uh, Mary said she smelled like a hospital who really wanted to get on the show, I feel, and did not get on it. She's doing the Lord's work, too. Who do you think did not make it through casting? Maybe they were a finalist, but it was like they didn't make it to the final round. I definitely think that one girl, the girl who was like, I said, you said she smelled like a hospital. And I'm like, what am I watching? She was definitely one of them. Yeah. I like, and you can tell she thought she really thought that she'd be holding the diamond, but, but alas, no. What is the ideal job for a real housewife spouse? You know what I got to say? I think Meredith's husband is the perfect situation for this. Because it's fun that he does real estate because you don't really understand what that means. He's away a lot, <laughs> but when he's there, he's funny and he seems like a good guy with that. And with real estate, usually real estate on a reality show gets a little too real a few seasons in and some some financial drama happens. So that's perfect for a little third arc uh, kick at the end. I always think that it would be essential for them to have at least one franchise with somebody who owns a private jet company because therefore you have the glamour of it. You have a bunch of people that want to be in photos of a private jet, but it's, it's a business we don't know enough about, but we'll want to deep dive. And then eventually it ends up in a bankruptcy. That always a bankruptcy. And that's so true because it's one of those things that it's such a rich business that you really know nothing about. And then I just imagine the wife being like, oh, well, my husband is flying BB Rexa this weekend. And everyone's like, who? Like, what? Why are you bragging about that? Who cares? But they're able to kind of have the opulence truly pouring out of them. Again, I find it mystifying that some of them have these over the top wardrobes because given what they do for a living and what their spouse does for a living, it doesn't really make sense. None of it correlates. And then also when um, Jen was like, oh, you know, uh, Sundance, that's Lisa's game. I'm like, I've never heard of this girl before. She runs Sundance. I'm like, they're like, you see, she, she, it's like kind of when they're like, oh, you need to know her to get into the parties. It's like when my friends would be like cater waiters at events and they sneak me into the back door. I feel like that's what Lisa is doing for these ladies. <laughs> Do you think that this is going to change a bit if this goes into a second season? Like, are we going to see glow ups, new homes, new rentals, new boots, new cars? We're going to see, because uh, the second season glow up is, I always feel like the biggest glow up. That's when someone comes with like, like a new nose, a new everything. They're like, nose, nose, nose is off limits. That's the second season. And it's when they really, they look at their house for the first time on TV and they really try to revamp it so it looks richer and they look more wealthy, but they don't have the money for it. So that's when they start to get the money troubles. Do you think they have somebody that they won't pay who's the stylist that just goes to home goods and then just kind of moves oh the furniture around? A hundred percent. Because even when um, at Jen's, uh, what, what she call it, Jen uh, Shaw Chalet or whatever, 
the couches, I'm like, I've seen those couches like when I'm looking for a couch. These aren't nice couches going on here. They're really just kind of doing overstock moments. Do you think that once they're cast for the show, so before filming begins, that they all lay in their beds from West Elm with one eyeball open and think, I have got to spruce this place up. I got to get some new clothes. I got to pull myself together and and make this work. You know, I almost terrifyingly think no, because I think they're like, it's happened. My, I live in a, I live in the most gorgeous mansion. My, she, and they're all, they're all like, no, my Zara is different than your Zara. And then they see it on TV and they're like, oh, that's what my pillows look like. <laughs> what is the percentage of bags? And maybe not just this franchise, but all real help, all of the real Houseway franchises. What is the percentage of bags that are actually made in China? Oh, um, what's oh, 525,600 minutes. Like that, <laughs> turn that into percentages. And that's that. <laughs> okay. Last question. Of these couples that we've seen in episode one, how many are going to be divorced by the end of season two? Ooh. ooh, ooh. I mean, I'm curious. I think, I mean, I- I hope Meredith is okay, but I don't know. I feel Meredith and um, I, I don't really know. Le- uh, Le- Meredith, Lisa, and Mary, I feel like could be a little bit up in the air. Jen, I feel like she's got a good ride or die with her, mainly because he can just fly away. And Whitney, I like don't know. I, I'm confused with them. He seems to stick with her, but I wonder if she'll want to leave him. Oh, good call. Good call. Good call. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been an absolute delight. I can always rely on you. Tell everybody about your show, which airs on Instagram Live every Tuesday with you in a robe drinking what looks like the most disgusting <laughs> wine ever imported, exported into this country. I am New Jersey trash, and that I should get that as a tram stamp. Yes, it's a show on Instagram Live, which I was like, is it a show, but it's better than Quibi, who has the last laugh now. But yeah, I do on um, every Tuesday, I convince people that I love and aspire to be, and I'm like just obsessed with to come on and bitch with me, basically. So it's every 7:30 p.m. EST on Tuesdays, and I've had Bravo celebrities, Bravo experts, comedians, musicians, like truly the, the, running the gamut, the Queen's Gambit, uh, and we just kind of complain and talk about pop culture, and it's a great pregame to your Tuesday, either if you're gonna watch The Bachelorette or just get drunk on your couch. What more do you want? And also, you're wearing a robe. And please, what was that most disgusting drink you had last night? It looked, <laughs> it looked horrible. It's so funny. This, like, this wine company near my, like, near where I grew up, I think, sent it to me. And I was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. And I didn't, like, look at it until I was pouring it in my glass. And I was like, oh, I'm on Twilight. Because it was, like, pure red. But it was really good. It was like a dry rosé, like from uh, Ripe Life, I think the brand is. And it, they said it goes well with uh, lobster. I had it with popcorn, and I finished the bottle, so I can't really complain. But also my taste is, like I said, I'm from New Jersey. So take that with a grain of salt. Okay, well, tell everybody where they can catch you um, and follow you on social media. Yes, yeah, so you can um, follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K, on every social media platform out there. And I also do a podcast with Betches, not another true crime podcast. If you're into a little true crime, mix with some humor, some lightness, a little bit of all that. And then, yeah, just DM me what you think about celebrities because I love to talk shit. The amazing Kate Casey. 
I want to thank my great guests, Lizzie and Abby and Vanessa and Danny, and remind you guys to click subscribe on iTunes for the show and leave a five-star review. Jump in the Facebook group, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Join other people talking about what to watch, what to listen to, what to read this week. You can follow me on Twitter at at Kate Casey. I tweet about shows and during shows all week long, and I'm going to put out a list for you each week of what to watch. You can find me on Instagram at at KateKCCA. You can catch up with me, see what I'm watching and working on all week, the upcoming guests and what disaster my kids have gotten into each week. And then also you can check out my Patreon page with bonus episodes. So more, more, more episodes for you. So go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Kate Casey and a reality life. When is it? I think it's Kate Casey. Now that I think about it. Anyway, Google Patreon reality life with Kate Casey. Hoping that you have a great weekend. I'm begging of you to take some time for yourself. Just get something great to eat and drink and watch some TV and escape from whatever craziness is going on for you this week. And I hope that you will check back with me next week so we can talk about even more great shows. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts.